podcast in the land, from the Hill Podcast, with Wayne Cartwright, Damian Green, Tanaris Gooding, David Thomas, Jennifer Murray, and Corey Williams, sit back, relax, and let Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of our fabulous show. As you can see, we've got everybody on tonight, and in our typical fashion, as we do every single week, you can look across the top of the screen to see all the ways that you can connect with us. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, follow us on Instagram, X, and Facebook. Also, as we always do too, you can see across the bottom of the screen where we have all of our sports updates. Uh, some of the things that you should be apprised of is that basketball season has officially begun. And with basketball in conjunction with that, season tickets are on sale. So please make sure that you be apprised of that. Uh, so without further ado this evening, uh, let's get into our housekeeping segment. So on uh, on Saturday, there was a game that took place. It was a pretty good game. It was a pretty good atmosphere. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, special teams, a couple of missed opportunities led to uh, Florida A&M coming to the hill and pulling off a 14-point victory. Uh, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to come see this game, nevertheless, even though it was a loss because uh, it was very exciting. Uh, a lot of people came. Bands were awesome. Shout out to FAMU's band. They were awesome. Uh, it was a really good day. But uh, obviously, we would have loved to have had the win. Um, so next up, and we'll talk about this game later, is the, uh, the game that we're playing this weekend in Daytona. And as you can see, it will be seen at 12 p.m. Central. That's 1 p.m. here in the East uh, on HBCU Go. Uh, the opponent is Bethune-Cookman, who just got their first SWAC victory uh, last Thursday over Valley. <laughs> All right. Now, with basketball officially started yesterday, uh, big shout out to our Lady Bulldogs. Jada Great was in attendance for this one. Uh, they held the lead going into the fourth quarter, but uh, UAB was able to, to wear them down, down the stretch and pull out a 70-63 to 63 win. Uh, so that was the season opener. Uh, a lot of promise in this game. Uh, our ladies fought the entire 40 minutes. Uh, so as you can see, the next game takes place Thursday for them as they make a trip to Fort Collins, Colorado, to take on the Colorado State Lady Rams. Uh, time will be 7.30 p.m. Central Time. There is no television listed, but if something comes up where there's a live stream, of course, we'll make that known. And uh, the first guest we have on tonight will also be able to make that known to everybody. All right, now we get to mention a win here. Thank goodness for everybody who was thinking that we were going to start off with nothing but L's. But we do have a win to report that took place last night at the event center where uh, Oakwood, you know, they brought their tails across the parkway and and, and left with a with a nice, nice, uh, healthy beat down, let's say. Um, so as you can see, 111 to 59, um, you know, 
we've got things going. We're going to see what we do as we get ready to start playing some uh, some of our regular competitions starting Thursday night as they make the trip down to Florence to take on North Alabama. 7 p.m. Central is the time, and this game will be seen on ESPN+. Hey, Wayne, I just want to add to those games that we just mm-hmm. uh, talked about. Uh, the Florida a game, awesome atmosphere. Uh, we started out 17-0, man. Like it was a, it was rough uh, to start the game out with, but you know uh, the Bulldogs were resilient. Uh, we were there cheering, exciting game. Uh, unfortunately, we lost. But last night in the uh, event center, uh, it was an awesome atmosphere. Uh, college basketball is back on the hill. Uh, the, the fans were excited. Uh, the hype man Dre was excited. Everything went along pretty well. So I'm excited about the uh, Bulldogs. They didn't get to go to Birmingham to see the ladies play, but I did get to go to the event center last night, and it was a, a very well, well, it was a very good game. Uh, we got it looked like we got some shooters this year. I know DT was excited about that. Love it. Awesome mm-hmm. atmosphere. Young guns. I love it, man. I got some young talent. No surprise this year. That's it. And. You know, these guys will be playing. I'm going to speak prof- prophetically deep into March. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shout out to Amari Pate, who is a uh, starting safety on the football team. He has been announced as a semifinalist for the Aeneas Williams Award. Now, for those that are not aware of who Aeneas Williams was, <clears throat> Aeneas Williams was a very legendary uh corner and safety for Southern University and he also played for the St. Louis Rams and the Cardinals and he is in the Hall of Fame Uh, so this is a very prestigious award in FCS football and our very own Amari Payton has been named a semifinalist for this award so if you see uh, Amari Payton's uh, social media or you see him on campus uh, you know give him a give him a shake of his hand or hit him up on the social media and congratulate him this is a very prestigious honor congrats sir congrats Mr. Payton now just so you don't forget these beauties that are right in front of you on the screen they are coming out for release pretty soon now I say that you keep a, keep apprised of this because the ones for Tennessee State has been uh, put up on a Nike sneakers app and it has a confirmed date to come out, which will lead you to believe that the release date of this shoe is not far behind. So November 18th, November 18th. Thank you there, T. Gooden. So we will make sure that you uh, are apprised of the, you know, the time that it comes out. And then also we had Jennifer Gray on our show a couple weeks ago. She's going to be making posts. But just so you didn't forget, I wanted to make sure that you were aware that you can get your hands on these beauties right here. Hey, to add to that, Wayne, somebody had those shoes on last night at the event center. Uh, I don't know how they got them, but I almost went straight 90s mode and jacked them for his shoes. But uh, but those shoes look real good in person, man. Like I saw them, they, they, look, they look really good. So I'm excited. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can't wait. Can't wait. Sir. And uh, this weekend, as I said, you know, I had the ability to come down. I just posted here some pics from uh, this Saturday. This was a really, really wonderful time that I had with uh, our athletic director, Paul Bryant, uh, doing the On the Hill live show. Uh, So we hope that this show can continue. 
Uh, shout out to everybody who watched it. Uh, and as this show continues to matriculate forward, we need to make sure that we continue to support it because it's a great opportunity for not just uh, myself, but also for our coaches and we have student athletes to come on. So uh, big shout out. And then uh, here's the crew <laughs> in the fourth quarter. This is nice from the kennel community. What did I tell y'all? <laughs> oh, we what were supposed to I put you in there. Put yeah, Photoshop yeah. you in the picture. Let me picture so I can Photoshop myself in. Right. <laughs> well, you were with us in it. spirit, Dave. <laughs> no way yeah. You as well, DT. And then uh, we had picture. Uh, you know, my boy OJ. You know, <laughs> talk about meeting Ken Griffey Jr. Your wishes <laughs> has been granted, Ken Griffey Jr. For those of you who didn't know, his son uh, played on FAMU. So he was there with his wife. He hung out in the kennel community for about an hour. And he yep. even, uh, we'll talk about what he had to say to you, T. Gooden. Well, we were, you know, I, I watched the game of football like a lot, not only in person, but on TV. So, you know, just watching the game for a long time and played in it back like when I was in high school and way before then. When the referee throws a penalty, you know exactly what it's going to be because of tendencies. So it was all the way on the other end of the field. Uh, it was a flag thrown, and then uh, and the timing of the flag, I knew it couldn't have been holding because they would have threw the flag earlier. I said, "Yeah, that's face mask on us." And then the referee said, "Face mask on the defense on us." And King Griffin said, "Yeah, you can't watch a movie with that guy because he's gonna tell everything." <laughs> but uh, it just you know watching the game so much, man, you know exactly. With, with, with the timing of the penalty thrown, you just know uh, what type of penalty it was. And I'm pretty much 98% good on us, that type of stuff. Yeah. He was like, hard to watch a game with this guy. <laughs> Can't even watch a movie with him either. He'll tell everything. <laughs> right. But shout out to Ken Griffey Jr., man. He was awesome. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, well, T. Gooden, you go ahead and take this one, my brother. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, athletic department, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, they either don't have the means or don't give to five dollar Friday, or they they don't know you know what to do to give to the university. But uh, what they want us to do uh, is to donate some Christmas items, Christmas decorations uh, to the athletic department, and you can uh, take those items to Elmore Gymnasium uh, and or contact Crystal Williams at the number listed, which is three seven two eighty fifty seven, and the email address is crystal.williams at amu.edu. So please. Make sure you donate some uh some items to that. And just send that three seven two eighty fifty seven number. Y'all remember when we used to get the girls number and we used to get mad when they gave us the rule number. I want the cell phone number. Don't give me that rule number because you're not gonna answer the phone. Give me that cell phone <laughs> I forgot about that. I remember that. Hey, but yeah, yeah, so please donate uh uh your Christmas items uh to the athletic department, new items. Uh just go by the dollar store, get something, take it down to Elmore Gym. Yes, sir. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is our housekeeping. Uh, shout out to everybody who has joined here this evening. Make sure you hit that like button uh, and also share. Tell people that we're on live. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to begin our first segment with our first guest of the evening. Uh, he comes from uh, my home state of Ohio. He's from Akron, Ohio. Uh, and he's a 2000 graduate of Ashland University. He has over 13 years of experience at the HBCU level at Lincoln, Pennsylvania, Alabama State, Grambling, FAMU, Norfolk State, even worked in the 
MEAC office. He also worked at Latorno University, Wachita Baptist, and the University of West Alabama. So he knows the state of Alabama very, very well. Uh, now, we know this position formally as sports information director, but uh, this, this gentleman's title officially is the assistant athletic director for communications. So would you please join with me, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcoming in Brian Howard. Good evening to you, Brian. Hey, good evening, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it is a pleasure to have you. And uh, I was very, very uh, glad to have made acquaintances with you this past weekend. And uh, it is a pleasure to get to work with you as well as get to know you. So uh, we know we have a lot to cover this evening. Uh, you know, our people in the comments, make sure if you got any particular sports related questions related to AM for uh, Brian, make sure you put that in there. We'll make sure we'll get to them as time permits. So, uh, Brian, I just want you, before we get started with our questions, just let everybody know just kind of the, uh, the, the path that you've had to take just to get here and, and, and all the things that uh, entails with being in sports information. Oh, he's on mute. You got to take your mute off, Brian. Looks like it might be frozen now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, can you now hear me? Okay, we can hear you. It's, okay. It's, yeah, there it is. There you go. All right. All right. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. It's minus. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I just want to first give a shout out to our uh, athletic director, uh, Dr. Paul A. Bryant. Um, uh, he is a visionary, um, and I am blessed to be under his leadership for the second time. Um, I think he's doing tremendous uh, things here at Alabama A&M, uh, and, and the, the future is extremely bright. Uh, the facilities are, are growing vastly, and um, without his leadership, I don't think we would be able to have, have those opportunities. Um, now, uh, my path to getting to this area <laughs> certainly hasn't been an easy one. Um, I did run across uh, A.D. Bryant when I was in the MEAC office, uh, when he was the athletic director at South Carolina State. Um, and we were fortunate to connect at Grambling State. Um, and I spent a year, a little over a year under him uh, uh, before he transitioned to Edward Waters. Um, and then, you know, making my transition uh, I didn't go to Edward Waters, but I transitioned to Florida A&M, uh, then back to Grambling State to work under Travion Scott, and then to Norfolk State. But I'm extremely uh, grateful for the opportunity that Dr. Bryant has provided to me to bring me over here to to the Hill uh, and, and be a part of Alabama A&M. And what most people don't understand about sports information or athletic communications is we work long hours, um, you know, while people go to games, attend the games, we're there long after the game is over. We're there be well before the game has begun. Um, you know, we're, we're putting up press releases. We're doing graphics, videos, social media. Um, I, I started in this industry when there was no social media. So uh, when there was no graphics. Uh, so seeing this position transform into something completely different 
has been has been extremely valuable. A.D. Howard, this is D.T. Green. How are you this evening? Good. How are you, sir? Good, good, good. What have you learned along the way in your career at each stop? Boy, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think you have to learn your personnel. Um, so, for for example, um, when I was under the leadership of A.D. Bryant at Grambling, um, he is the type of man that's going to allow me to have my creative freedom. Um, I tell everybody this, when you're a kid, they tell you to color inside the lines. And that's like telling somebody to think inside the box. Um, he allows me to think outside the box, be creative and try different things. Um, so I think learning that process when I, when I was at Grambling the first time was beneficial. Uh, and then taking that opportunity to Florida A&M where uh, I redesigned their athletic website, uh, making that transition from Florida A&M back to Grambling, redesigning their athletic website um, and, and being successful there. And then moving to Norfolk State for a very short time uh, and, and just being able to reconnect here here with A.D. Bryant. But learning different things, learning different styles, learning different cultures. Not every HBCU is the same. Um, and, and I think that that's a misconception that people – everybody thinks that every HBCU is the same. It is definitely not. Uh, you got different traditions, different, you know, different aspects, different rivalries. Uh, different themes on Fridays. I mean, and, and I have a hard enough time trying to keep up with all those things. So uh, for me, that was something that I certainly have learned. Um, you know, Travis Jerome, who who holds the same position at Alabama State, um, you know, he, he, he jokes that, I, you know, I'm making the circuit here in the swag, knocking okay. down a few swag schools. But uh, I, I will tell you this much. I've never been happier than where I am right now at Alabama a Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thanks for joining us, A.D. Howard. Uh, yeah. My question is, um, when A.D. Bryant was first hired, he received a, a lot of questions about, you know, building a staff and different things that, that he's going to implement. And through all those questions, interviews, press conferences he did, he, he kept the consistent answer of that I want to assess first. I want to see, I want to identify our areas of opportunity. So I want to put that on you as well. When, when you came on, I know that um, just a couple of days ago, you, you were you were announced that you were the, uh, the new communications director. But have you had the opportunity to assess or identify areas of improvement from a communication standpoint within the athletic department? Uh, I absolutely have. Uh, what most people don't know was I was here uh, for homecoming. Um, okay. I, I, I will tell you this much. I've been to plenty of HBCUs and I've been to plenty of homecomings. And I have never, um, I, I would say one other school that we actually played on Saturday was rival to that particular homecoming. I felt like the tailgating area was bananas. It looked like Bourbon Street out there. I mean, I was, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even get a chance. To um, so, what we do, how can we change? One of the things that, um, and, and this has been for several years, um, I was here scrambling and played, bam, 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 over. At that time, and 
I mean, I'm glad I'm going to see that, you know, and be brand glad. Huge. But with everything I said, it's potential. And how can we come back? What starts really is start making sure the athletes it's updated. Let's make sure that we put on. Hey, AD Howard. Hey, hey, your your audio is choppy, like a lot. So what we're gonna do right here, real quick? Take yourself out and then come back in. So then it'll probably clear up. Yeah. Let, let's try that. Technical deal with people live, live. We're live. Stuff <laughs> we keep it moving. But he's absolutely right about uh the tailgate area being like Bourbon Street. Like it yeah. was just wall to wall people, but it was nothing but love. I really enjoyed it. Right. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Good, that might be a good tailgate thing. What's that? Uh tailgate is wild as Bourbon Street. Yep. No, because then people get the, then people get the throwing beads, and we don't need that on the heel. You throwing water beads, you're right. Let me throw water beads. You're, right. no. you're right about that. You're yeah. right about that. Yeah, we'll get them back though. I mean, yeah. uh, everybody's here is saying, you know, look, dang, sound like he was giving us some good. Uh, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. We're gonna ask him. To, we're gonna ask him to repeat it too. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, and David came with that good uh, question from Britannica Encyclopedia. Yeah. I'm like, I was like, dang, that was a good one, David. But I had to throw mine in the trash. Listen, I'm sitting here like, how do I follow behind that? <laughs> no. Whatever. All right, let's see if we get him back in here. Okay. Okay, Brian. All right. Hey, uh, is, is this better? There you go. Yes. Okay, yeah. so let's right. so let's do this, David, from the top. <laughs> David, don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically the, the question was, you know, um, AD Bryant, when he first came on, his responses to the question that he's got as a new AD, bringing staff on, one of the things you want to implement, he said he wanted to assess the department first to see, to identify areas of opportunity. And I wanted to see if you had that, that same opportunity to um, assess, basically, from a, a communication standpoint and identify areas of opportunity as well. Yeah, and, and sorry for my technical difficulties. Um, yeah, I, I think that you have to start with the 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 ground up. How can we become better? And I think from from my aspect in my my history, it starts with the athletic website. Um, that's the front porch to athletics. Um, you get recruits that go there all the time, so that website has to be updated. It has to have good content on there. So fans can see it, uh, alums, uh, future students. Um, so that's been a little bit of a work in progress. Uh, I know that we're going to launch a new, uh, a redesign of our athletic website, either at the end of this month or sometime in December, um, which will give us a better grasp of things. It's going to have a look and a feel similar to a Baylor, an Oklahoma State, an Oklahoma uh, and put us really at the top of our conference in athletic websites. So that was the first thing. The second thing is social media. 
How can we become better social media wise? What's out there? Uh, I think that you guys do a tremendous job of pushing the narrative, uh, of pushing uh, and promoting our athletic programs. Uh, so very, very much kudos to you guys uh, for doing those things and helping us bridge, you know, that future generation. And so obviously with my experience, graphics, social media, um, photos, you know, we got to have updated photos. That was one of the very first things that I saw when I came here uh, at the end of uh, September, you know, looking at the website. Why do we only have one soccer photo um, mm -hmm. on the website? Why do we have, why, why are we using a volleyball team photo? We got to have updated stuff. Um, so it's, it's seeing those things, <clears throat> bridging those gaps and going, let's take these steps to do those things. Now, the challenging part to all those things I said is uh, it takes a little bit of time. Um, and I think that that's the struggle and the frustration that myself has. Um, I want to do things right away. Um, and, and, and I know the content that we can produce, uh, but it's going to take a little time. Uh, but we're headed in the right direction. We're trending in the right direction. We're doing some things differently. Um, I know I talked to talked to Wayne. I've talked to several of you guys over the weekend about, you know, pu pushing the podcast, you know, to, to, to make it an audio podcast uh, and pushing it out, you know, by using our athletic website, uh, which again is something different that a lot of schools don't, aren't really capitalizing on. So if we can capitalize on it and get the bigger reach, sky's the limit. Like that. So first of all, thank you, A.D. Howard, for coming on our show. Um, I do have a question. So when I, I actually met you uh, homecoming weekend and you had such a engaging personality and I was like, oh, this is perfect for, you know, for what we need here on the Hill. So with that being said, um, in your role, you do have to communicate frequently with other schools. So um, what... Um, you just give us like I guess some lessons that you've learned or um, experience that you have just being engaged and you know just communicating with other uh, uh, SIDs in the conference. Well, I, I think that it, I have my particular favorites. I'm not even going to lie. I got my <laughs> particular favorites, um, and, and some I've been in the business with for for quite some time. I think I mentioned them earlier, Travis Jerome. I think. You know, he was he was my assistant. And, and believe it or not, I spent eight. It, it seems like eight very long months at Alabama State. Um, so when I tell you I'm happy to be on the hill, I am definitely happy to be on the hill. Um, but Travis was my assistant at that time. So I have a great relationship with him. Um, Curtis Ford, who's the head person at Grambling State, he was my GA at Florida A&M. And I brought him from Florida A&M to Grambling State. Um, and so seeing him develop has been just a, a pleasure. Um, so obviously I have, I have my particular favorites in this conference. I think that there are some schools that do not do well communicating. Um, and, and that affects everything. That affects the message that this conference is trying to do and trying to push forward. Um, because I feel like if we can be better as professionals uh, and take this thing to the very next level, 
uh, I think we could continue to move HBCU athletics. But, um, you know, I look at what everybody does. You know, I think, uh, you know, Bethune-Cookman does a good job, um, you know, with their communications department. Literally, we play them this weekend. And, you know, I spent 15 minutes on the phone on, on Sunday with their communications director. So it's having those relationships that I think help us all. Now, just because we've got the relationships don't mean we're not competitive. Um, mm-hmm. We are right. competitive against each other. Um, we all want to, we all want to compete against each other and be the absolute best. And so I look at, Hey, how can we be better? You know, I look at what Southern does and, and you know, I, I mean, they're, they're okay. You know, it's Southern, but you know, at the end of the day, I love to see what everybody else does and then go, how can we be different? Like, what is it that makes us stand out? Um, you know, I think that, you know, one of the biggest things, and, and literally this happened today with uh, with Amari Pate, was he got he got that honor, and I put it on the website. Within 10 minutes, uh, Ted Dixie calls me and tells me about him getting the honor, and I said, did you check the website? <laughs> and and he, he said, my bad, man, my bad. He goes, you're not good, you're great. So that's, that's my expectations at the end of the day is I want to be great. I don't want to be good. And, and I feel like if you look at, if you look at some of the co- communications directors in this conference, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to knock any of them. I just, I feel like I want to be a step above them. I want to be great. I want to, I want us to be our own Oklahoma or our own Oklahoma state. And, and I know we can get there. Awesome, awesome. I love that. Love it. I, I don't really have a question. I just you had a few comments, but uh, you know, I finally uh met uh Eddie Howard last night at the basketball game. We talked via the Instagram and email, but my first time actually seeing him at work was the Magic City Classic, and uh this is a funny story. Now everybody knows in the press box, no matter who you cheer for, you don't cheer for anybody, and them Alabama State. So this girl Alabama State just kept going and going and going. Eddie Howard, he had had enough. He was like, "Hey, she got to go." So I saw. I said, "I, I said, okay, I, I see what he's doing here." So he want he wanted to get her out of there. You didn't know I saw that, but I did see that. But the, uh, <laughs> the uh, he was he was he was he was he was pretty. I he was pretty emotional about it too. But it was a, it was a good emotion. He know like we you don't do that in the press box. But uh, one of the things that uh you mentioned is Ted called you and said like, "Hey." Uh, you know, he told you about it and it goes the same thing with us. Like we're so used to doing, you know, kind of doing this stuff. We're not used to somebody that's doing the graphics. So once, uh, like, I like, Oh dang, he already has it up there. You know, we don't have to touch it. So, I mean, that's good. You know, that you're are very well versed in graphics. I spoke with you last night. You're very well, uh, good with Adobe Photoshop and uh, other graphics. So, you know, I just like the work that you're doing. I yes. saw you last night. Uh, I've been, I got to AM in 03, been associated with AM since then. I never saw somebody at your position actually take pictures for the game. Most of the time they just sit behind the scores table. So I actually see the work that you're doing. And as a as an alum of Alabama AM, I, I really do appreciate that. I just want to tell you that. 
No, I, I appreciate it. And yeah, I did get a little uh, heated there at the Magic City Classic. So, um, you know, my wife's listening on and, and, and she's laughing right now because she was right there the whole time, too. So um, it, it like, look, you know, at the end of the day, there's a there's a decorum, you know, yes. when you're in the press box. So, um, you know, I do fist pumps you know, underneath the scores table or something, um, you know, the, but, you know, when you're cheering there, you know, it just ruffles my feathers a little bit. So, no, I appreciate it. I honestly was <laughs> thrown off because I was like, what? You know, usually a press box is like a library and it was, it was a lot, y'all. Y'all, it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mr. Howard, this is CK Williams. How you doing? Good. How are you? Hey, pretty good. It was good seeing you last night. Um, and like I said, we're ecstatic that you're here on the Hill. Um, I know you were mentioning before you were breaking up about the different schools that you went to as far as homecoming. Then you referenced two of the, you know, um, with A&M and Florida A&M. Just, um, just tell us about, um, you know, what you were explaining during that time. Yeah, I, I, you know, when I was at, uh, matter of fact, it's kind of funny. When I was at Florida A&M uh, in 2019, before COVID, I didn't get an opportunity to experience the homecoming, uh, you know, but it's a bananas week. And I'll tell you, they're one Ferris wheel away from a carnival. That's how crazy that place is. And um, when I went back to Grambling, I think it was 2021, we played at their place and it, we played them at, for, for their homecoming game. And I got to experience the actual Florida A&M homecoming. And I was like, wow, this thing is nuts. Um, but to see, to be here for our homecoming, to know that the game was sold out and I'm like, wow, the game is sold out. Like that's unreal. I've been grambling seats, 195 in their stadium and they were never sold out. Not one time for the entire time I was there, they were never sold out I, bananas, but yet we were sold out for homecoming. And I thought that that was amazing. And then to look out into the tailgate area and i was like wow i mean you got rvs for as long as you could see you got people all over the place i mean you couldn't even get through because it was like it literally looked like bourbon street you just couldn't get through and <laughs> and i thought if if this is a place i want to be at man this is great you know i normally don't get to experience that kind of atmosphere because i'm working but to see it, I felt like this is a place, college Saturdays, this is where I want to be. Um, what better place? I've, I've been extremely welcomed by the A&M faithful, um, you know, beyond beyond grateful. Um, everybody's been wonderful. And so to, it, it truly makes me feel I'm at home here. Um I, I've I've lived in the state three times. Uh, I've lived in Livingston. I, my first job was at West Alabama. Okay. I've worked at Alabama State. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> and, and now Alabama. And so um, I, out of the three spots I've been, this is the the best place I've ever been. You know, Huntsville is amazing. Nobody nobody ever talks about Huntsville. Like mm -hmm. they don't. They always mention Birmingham or Tuscaloosa. Or, or Mobile or, or, or Montgomery, but they never mentioned Huntsville. And this is a hidden hidden gem, and, and I absolutely love it here. Well, we're glad to have you. Appreciate it. Appreciate yes, it. Yeah, and it's kind of funny hearing the comments. Uh, <laughs> my best friend here says, 
He said, Mr. Howard got has got to be from Louisiana. No, brother, he is from Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's from Ohio. Uh there are there are a few uh facility related questions here. Uh so the facility related questions I'll just say to everybody who are asking them, that is definitely for A D Bryant. <laughs> so if you got questions about sports information and rosters and websites and things like that. This is your guy. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, but shout out to everybody for their energy. All right. Now, uh, there's a few things. One thing you could you could talk about was about that telecast from Saturday. I, now, thankfully, I was at the game, so I ain't have to be relying upon uh, the people that call a game because, uh, you know, them are not my most favorite announcers <laughs> on ESPN+. Plus. Y'all know this. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, so um, I, I had a conversation with Brian Duvall, who is the producer uh, for DNA Studios, uh, who houses all the ESPN Plus for the SWAC. Um, and this was prior to the Magic City Classic, and I asked the question, will you guys be on site or will it be remote? And he said it would be on site. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, so Thursday – from from the time I had that conversation to Thursday, I hadn't had any conversation at all with them. And so I reached out to Santoria Black and I said, San, San, hey, are you guys on site or remote? And he said, well, we're remote. And I said, OK, cool. Great. Nobody told us. So from that point forward, it was like, OK, well, now I'm on Thursday. I'm getting. Well, is the remote truck coming? I, I, I don't know what time it's coming. I know a, a truck's coming. So Friday, we're still in the same panic mode. They said, oh, yeah, the truck is doing a high school game on Friday and we'll be here early Saturday morning. Okay, cool. You know, it's not uncommon for that to happen. I'm, I, I'm still fine with everything. So the truck got there on Saturday, but not one time did they say, hey, we, we need this or we need that. Or was there an issue? Um, it wasn't until after the game had started and Mo Carter sending me a text message. Curtis Ford sending me a text message. And now I'm jumping on social media and everybody's up in arms about this broadcast as if it was as if it was our fault. And. You know, if it's if it was our fault, fine, we'll take responsibility. But there has to be some other kind of responsibility. Also, from ESPN, if they didn't even bother to communicate and say, hey, well, we need this. We need this Internet feed or we need that. They've been here before. They've done games here before. They know how to set up here before. So they cannot use the excuse, well, we didn't know. You know, so I felt like. That was more on their end than it was on our end. Um, I, I am appreciative that they put on the top of the screen experiencing technical difficulties, <laughs> but that was well after the fact of everybody complaining and reaching out and asking me those questions. Um, so if I if I had to give you the straight answer, I think that it, it in lines with both of us, um, but I will tell you that the next time ESPN's here, uh, I want to speak to the person that's in charge, you know, that's in that TV truck. We sent somebody down there. That's the funny part. We sent somebody down there to knock on the door, to get in the truck, and they wouldn't answer the door. So, 
you know, how, how am I supposed to rectify the situation if nobody's going to answer, answer us? So, um, that was, that was the main issue that, that was wrong with the telecast. Well, thank you for that answer. Cause, uh, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of people in the swag that echoes what I just said. I, I, I hey, it, it, it's kind of funny because that you say that because I saw somebody say that Jackson State's broadcast uh, was bad too. So, um, I mean, I, that's two broadcasts right there in the same weekend. And, and we know we can't have that. You know, we're up against plenty of other things and entities going on on Saturday, other big games going on. And if somebody who's new to HBCU turns and flips that channel because, oh, hey, I want to go to Alabama A&M or, or Florida A&M for that matter, and they see that, they're, they're going to get turned off on it. So I, I felt like ESPN has to do better. Um, I felt like the swag should have said something, um, and, but the swag didn't, and, and that's up to them. But I I felt like there should have been an email, a, a phone call, whatever on that Sunday saying, hey, w- uh, we need to do this differently or we need to do that differently. And there wasn't that messaging. I, I felt like they just were they were OK with that. So, um, you know, hopefully moving forward, we don't have those issues. Yeah, I got you. Now, a couple of quick, just quick, uh, quick questions before we let you go. Um so do you bring in uh, AM students to assist with the website or anything of the sort? <laughs> uh, uh, right now, no. Um, uh, the website, I, I hate to say this, the website's my baby. So um, at the end of the day, that's that's the thing that, that that's my thing. You know, it, it's my baby. And hopefully we can get to that point. Um, you know, that's kind of my future goal. Um you know, being a month in the job or a month on campus, um, right now it's just it's mine until somebody can say, "Hey, I'm willing to do this." Okay, <laughs> and this one makes me laugh right here. This would be a no, <laughs> but we just thought we put it up here. <laughs> what happened? Can't y'all see Lee Corso at Travis Trunk? I can see it. yeah that's gonna be a no (laughs) yeah yeah so uh so yeah and then just uh for those for those questions that everybody had uh dr brian is watching people ask about the scoreboard the scoreboard is coming and it's ready to be installed but i want to make sure there is no interruptions imagine if they didn't have it up last saturday and we didn't have one that would have been a mess and then also those that want to know about LED lighting, they're looking at LED lighting. So I know people probably watched that Bama LSU game and was like, man, we got to have that on the hill. It, it, it's something that can be coming. All right. Hey, and imagine, then last imagine but, they didn't have that scoreboard up, man. They would have been all in Dr. Brian's email. Right. Man. And then last but not least, <laughs> we will create our own board. college game day. I that like is it. the answer. That's it. Right. Yes. That's it. I'll, I'll leave them where the mascot had. <laughs> there it is he volunteers to, to wear the butch mascot head well brian this was awesome and uh you know uh one thing that 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 i forgot to do was exchange numbers with you uh but uh reuben has my number so you make sure you get it and we will be talking because we got business and everybody up here we got business to attend to and Everybody that's in the comments that are stakeholders. Yes, we have business. 
We're going to do this thing in a great way, as the man said. It's going to be in wellness. It's going to have uh, bios, rosters, everything. He's going to do it well. But just give him some time because patience, he patience, has a vision. Patience. He has a vision. So and he ain't going to let nobody else go in and touch it right now. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> so, so, Brian, thank you for coming on with us, man. And uh, this is the start of some great things, man. Thank you for coming on. And uh, we definitely will get you on here. Uh, we'll have to have you on later on, probably when we turn the calendar into 2024, because we want to get more updates on some of the things that you're doing. So look for another invite coming here soon. Sounds good. I really appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you man. You. All right. There's Brian. All right. Very nice segment. Thank you to everybody for participating in, in that segment. So now our next gentleman who's coming on, he originally hails from St. Louis, Missouri. He is a 2002 graduate of Alabama A&M University. He has his law degree from university in 2005. In the year of 2008, he won the 71st district seat in the Missouri House of Representatives, serving from 2009 to 2011. He uh, is a regular contributor to MSNBC and CNN, where many people have probably seen him. And he currently serves as CEO and founder of Daryl Calloway, which is a venture capital fund. And he operates a law practice engaging in pro bono representation of indigenous clients in civil matters. So without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Don Calloway. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm good, fam. What's going on? You got to forgive me, man. A little wonky background. I'm at uh, a, uh, a grocery store in, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, that's kind of reviving the old Black Wall Street thing. So Google AJ Johnson and Oasis Marcus. Dope uh, Black-owned grocery store serving this food desert community. But I'm really just making an excuse for me not having my A&M gear. I have the best, <laughs> I have the best A&M gear collection in, in the DMV by far. Don't test me. And uh, I, I would have brought it. I would have had it with me, man. But I'm in Oklahoma today. Shout out to Clance Crosby. He's from Oklahoma. We got the most size that I remember us having on the Hoop Squad in a long time. So I'm excited to watch them boys get on the hardwood. Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And yeah, you do wear that that AM drip, man. When you get oh, every on, time. you get on TV, man. You represent <laughs> yeah. the big way. For sure. I appreciate it, man. You know, I. Uh, I got I I got so much now that it's kind of like yo folks send it and it's 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 amazing so like but please stop sending it send it to your local you know college senior who we need to get to because uh, I got all the variations of all the drip and I just got blessed <laughs> over uh, Magic City so I'm good. <laughs> Don DT Green, it's nice to have you on tonight. Big big dog, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. So we we're coming up on election season. Yeah. Um, what a lot of people in our generation, they kind of get disillusioned with voting and civics and just being involved. What kind of encouragement could you give to us millennials, geriatric millennials, uh, borderline millennials from Gen X uh, and younger as far as staying in the fight yes. for, for voting? Well, I think that something we've seen over the last 10 years that, that adds to all of our frustration is this notion that power in this country and really the world has been decentralized. And so we see that electoral power 
is no and political power is no longer the the thing that decides who runs the world right there's the private sector there's the public sector there's the journalistic sector which is far more powerful than it's ever been and so power has been diffused over all these different sectors and so it kind of diminishes the role of political elected officials from the presidency on down but that doesn't mean that we can concede that space by not participating right and not voting because uh the folks who would not want the best for our people and our institutions they don't get tired right and part of why they don't get tired is because they set the rules and they can change the goalposts and so on and so forth but we don't have the even though we can find other spaces to have impact banking investments institutions media like you all are doing that doesn't mean that we have the privilege to concede that arena because that is still one of the primary and extraordinarily important uh spaces in this country from which official social change has ultimately achieved um and i get it there's i i work in it and i get frustrated every day but we simply don't have the privilege to abandon that as one of the pillars one of the major pillars in which we move our people forward in this country brother callaway how you doing this evening just dave what's up man i'm good how are you good 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 I want to go back to uh, an event you did earlier this year. Um, you were the guest speaker at the MLK celebration back in, uh, I believe it was in, in January. Um, yeah. Want to uh, get your uh, take on how it was being back on the hill and, and how it was being um, invited back to your alma mater to be a guest speaker at an event they were hosting? Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. And it didn't really sink in for me until sometime afterwards. Um, you know, when you think about, uh, so my mother went to AM's class of 71. Uh, shout out to Joan L. Calloway, Yarbrough at the time. And, you know, you it, it, it kind of, at some point, you know, when you, be, when you practice law, you do a couple things in the world, I mean, frankly, get on TV, you, you get these plaques and awards and all of that type of stuff, and it kinda, you kind of become numb to it. Um, but, man, that was, uh, that was a pretty big deal. And I, and I, I try not to. I hate that you asked that, Dave, because I kind of get choked up about it. Like, it's kind of like why like, I don't give a fuck about the Grammys, but I care about the Image Awards. Right. I don't care about the Oscars, but I care about the, you know, the Source Awards, because to be recognized from your own people as having something to say to our people means far more to me than so many other, you know, institutional accolades or invitations that I could have gotten. So to start the year off, to do the in, the MLK deal, it, it was a pretty big deal. I felt pretty honored, and I think I did okay. It, it got a little preachy at times, so uh, I might have to come back and tone it down, but uh, it felt it felt pretty dope, man. So thank you for asking. Nice. Excuse nice. me for cursing. I'm sorry to all the people in the comments. I was trained. To. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's thing, all good. <laughs> right on. Yeah. All right, Mr. Calloway, thank you for coming on our show. And I just, I have to tell you, I am a huge fan. I enjoy every time I see you on MB, MSNBC. You always you. represent not only AM but HBCUs as a whole, and it's appreciated. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I appreciate you. No problem. So with that being said, you were very active on, uh, on the Hill during your time there. So your activities that you participate in, how did that, as well as your experience at Alabama A&M, prepare you for a life of public service, um, just being a political correspondent? How did A&M prepare you for the path that you are on now? Uh, it was everything. Um, so you have to remember, well, you might not know, 
I started at the University of Missouri. So I did five years in college. I did two at Mizzou, and then I transferred to Alabama A&M Family School. And, um, you know, A&M and I think HBCUs in, in general give you the opportunity to lead in a way that we are not considered when one thinks about who will the campus leaders be, who will the organizational leaders be, unless you are in a specific, you know, either a black student union or a divine nine, you know, that's kind of the universe of, you know, leadership opportunities uh, afforded to black students at PWI institutions. Um, at A&M, that's different, you know, and, and at Jackson State, that's different. And at Rust College, that's different, right? Because we are, uh, the opportunity not only to lead, but the opportunity to learn, to grow, to make mistakes, to evolve uh, outside of the white gaze, G-A-Z-E, which in America is often a penal or punitive gaze, right? Uh, the opportunity to grow and evolve and, uh, and, and, and really leadership, particularly civic leadership, particularly among uh, underrepresented or disadvantaged communities is an experiment. That's why you talk about the American experiment. Right. And experimentation often, more often than not, results in failure and failure, particularly in politics, gets punished. So the opportunity to think of ways to lead, to think of ways to help people, to think of ways to improve dorm life, campus life, uh, campus culture, student aid, operations, the opportunity to think about these things, to present ideas, to build consensus and even to try things whether or not they work, that is the opportunity to build leadership experience. And it's critical to have that opportunity outside of the context of I'm going to get arrested or, or, or fined or punished or whatever. Right. And that's why our institutions are important, not just black colleges, but black churches, black social organizations, because you have to have the opportunity to develop thought processes right, that are ultimately transferable to assist our people larger. And we can do that in black institutions without the fear of retribution when you don't get it right. Because none of us mm -hmm. get everything right a lot of the times, but if you do it with a good heart and it's based in love for our people, then our people will understand that we were trying to fight for us and we'll get it right next time, right? And that opportunity to think and grow and lead uh, is just, it, it's invaluable, uh, particularly for the developing mind when science teaches us, and, and, and you know it's demonstrable at this point, that the human brain is not fully developed until 25. 30 in men right so um to have that opportunity from age 18 to 22 23 in some cases is just uh is is invaluable and not only is it invaluable but it's frankly it's really necessary Ooh, you said something there right. yes. <laughs> so mr callaway out of our uh 107 hbcus we have most of the hbcus are in the deep south in red states can yep. you kind of speak on so that people can understand why it is important because yep. people get upset when the presidents or the board of trustees when they see them even shake hands with like a a senator from the gop or a governor that's a republican can you speak to the people why that is important for uh for us yeah, well, you have to understand why uh, black colleges were created, and it was to educate the freed slaves. Um, it is a, uh, there was a recognition that uh, of all of these, you know, newly freed black people present a labor issue. Forgive the beeping there, I'm going to turn my phone on, do not disturb. Uh, there is a labor issue. There's a, there is a direct economic issue for the need 
to educate all these, you know, hundreds of thousands of free black people in the you know 1860s and such. So there was an immediate labor and economic necessity to educating freed black folks. And that's why the HBCUs are located in the South. 1964, Lyndon Bain Johnson says with the passage of the Civil Rights Act, we've just lost the South for a generation. So if that is the case, if we've lost the South for a generation, then we have to think about who now politically controls the South. It's going to be Republicans, right, for our natural lifetimes from now forward, although it wasn't the case throughout the 80s and early 90s, right? Mississippi, Alabama, Democratic legislatures, Democratic governors. Um, but for our institutions to continue to perpetuate themselves and perpetuate the opportunity that they provide to our current students and alumni like all of us, for us to be able to start here and go anywhere, we have to exist in community with the powers that are, right? Not the powers that we want them to be, but if there is a Republican who controls the state appropriations budget, then God damn it, I need to know him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. uh, my, uh, my home state, my hometown congressman, uh, William Clay, he always said uh, there in politics, we have no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, but we have no, but we have permanent interests. And so my permanent interest is making sure Alabama A&M survives, right? Into perpetuity, long live thy fame. Um, all of our permanent interests is making sure that our institutions are protected and survived. And politics is ephemeral, right? And so if you consider the grand scope of a universe of 80 years, Republicans have been in charge for 10, 15 years in a lot of these deep Southern spaces, and they may be in charge into perpetuity, but we don't have the luxury, again, of not having relationships with people who control the purse strings, with people who control allocations of resources because they're Republican. Because if you look at it, I mean, the White House released a letter on September 18th saying Alabama A&M was underfunded by $527 million from 1987 to 2020. Well, in the state of Alabama, the seven of us here on this screen are old enough to know that from 1987 to 2020, there's a whole lot of Democratic leadership in the state of Alabama and in Arkansas and Missouri that underfunded these schools. I'm not saying that Republicans are free from scrutiny because they're certainly not, but racism is bipartisan and it always has been. And underfunding our institutions is bipartisan and it always has been. So if we're going to solidify not only our financial appropriations, but the status of our institutions as a pillar of the state and what the state does from a higher education perspective, you can't not talk to Republicans. As a matter of fact, it will be professional malpractice to not talk to Republicans. Shout out to your boy, uh, Donald Watkins, man. Um, billionaire in his own mind. I saw him release on this little blog that, uh, oh, we can get into it. You shouldn't have invited me, man. Oh, that's why I did it. I knew Say it, man. You mentioned his name. I went subliminal on him last week, but yeah. you mentioned his name. Come on with it. So Donald Watkins wrote this letter on his blog about um, uh, President Wims being a MAGA Republican because he's donated to and he's in relationship with Republicans in Montgomery. Well, he has to be. And if you understand the political process, you would understand yes. that the president of a university is the most prominent citizen in any given county. He has to have a relationship with his state senator. He has to have a relationship with the budget chair, with the governor. And for all of our purposes, you want to see Daniel Wims making political contributions. You want to see Daniel Wims having those relationships because his relationship is our relationship and it advances the university interests. So, so Donald Watkins can, uh, can 
get somewhere and sit down. You know, type have all the seats. Have all the seats. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Hey. Answer. Hey, is really he good. is he blogging from jail or no? Nah? Is he out? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, bull, the bulldogs have been petty oh, for a dude. long time. A long time. We, we do. I was I was trained in Walker Wood. So, you know, rest in peace, Walker Wood is no longer there. But that's... <laughs> Whoa. Hey, Brother Callaway. What else C we got? What else we got? <laughs> brother Callaway, this C.K. Williams, man. You coming with that heat tonight. Brother C.K., thank you for having me, man. Hey, no problem. Hey, well, um, just talking about um, elections, you know, most, most people focus on national elections. Yeah. But, you know, we have local and state elections. Could you talk to um, everyone and tell them about the importance of local and state elections and not just coming out just for um national elections yeah um that's where we we really lose immediate civil rights is on the local level right um big picture policy is made at the federal level in washington dc or you know obviously bigger picture on the state level in montgomery or whatever your state capital might be but actual enforcement or non-enforcement uh, the people who put black folks in jail, the people who allocate the resources that either educate or do not educate black kids, the people who make the decisions about how actually free real lives will be, that's your local elected officials. And they have immediate accountability to you if you vote, right? Not if you donate or not if you go to their fundraisers or their rallies, but if you vote, those people are immediately accountable to you and they will think about having to look a C.K. Williams in the face, right? Um, when they make appropriation decisions, when they make resource allocation decisions, it's important to think about. Like I've been working on this definition for years and years and years, and you know, I come from Douglas Turner and Ron Slaughter's universe of political science at oh. Alabama A&M. Right? Oh Lord! So yeah, like, like uh, yeah, but you know, uh, but it was worth it. And if you came from them, like my political science cohort, then you tend to notice stuff. And so I've been thinking about what is the definition? What is politics? Ultimately, politics is the applied science of the distribution of limited communal resources. In other words, who gets what, when, where, and how. And if you think about it in those terms, who gets what? Who gets this pool of money that we've decided to collect via taxes, right? Who gets that? Does North Huntsville get it, right? Or does UAH and those communities get it? Does North does 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 Inslee get it or does over the mountain get it right? In, in, if you're talking about a Birmingham area, so it's cool. I get it. A lot of money is spent to get us to participate federally and on the congressional level or on the United States Senate elections. But if you're really thinking about it in terms of who gets what, you need to understand who decides where your local resources go, right? And those local resources are what is most demonstrable in our individual lives in terms of creating quality of life or lack thereof in terms of how we really want our communities to look and that all happens on the local electoral process awesome. that's good stuff so i have one more question but before i ask the question uh there are a couple questions that are here in the in the comments so yeah. uh Rob Drake, he says, is there a run for U.S. Senator in Don's future? Uh, D.C. would have to uh, be made the 51st state and then I would have to, you know, be. No, the answer is no. <laughs> I don't I don't really see it. I don't really see it happening. I, look, I, I am enjoying I had a long time in politics and I still play in politics to some degree. 
but I enjoy impact investing. Like I said, I'm down here in Tulsa right now because when uh, African-American entrepreneurs have ideas, I want to be able to bring my team and our capital to support them. Um, and, you know, there, there are many different ways to try to push the ball forward. And I, I, I have been in politics for 20 years. I don't see not being in politics in, in throughout the rest of my adult working life. But you also realize that politics can happen in a lot of spaces outside of the elected official space. And, and as a matter of fact, I'm kind of starting to grow to see the elected space as somewhat limited. Uh, Don, if you don't mind, go into the backroom political side that's not necessarily the front forward facing elected yeah. official. What's behind that curtain? Yeah, that's a great question. So behind that curtain is a lot of staffers who work for these politicians um, that are researching policy, understanding the senators or the the, rep the elected person's politics. So they're trying to protect the politics, get this person reelected. They're trying to understand the constituency's desires and come up with policy positions. Beyond that, there are donors and donors have certain interests. Beyond that, there are institutions like colleges and universities and museums and hospitals in any given district. They have interests, right? So really political decision-making that ultimately results in a vote that a politician is criticized for or not criticized for, those decisions are the convergence of a whole bunch of different factors and a whole bunch of different interests and a whole bunch of different levers um, that we really don't see on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and gosh, you know, I can tell you from both my time as an elected official and as a lobbyist and as an activist, you know, any given decision about the allocation of resources is the result of input from maybe a thousand different independent sources who all have their independent uh, assessment, right, of how things should go. And so these decisions are the result of a patchwork of folks. And if you want things to go your way, you need your elected representative to hear from you, not just at the ballot box, but to hear your voice in that patchwork as many times as possible, right? Um, and, you know, it doesn't always turn out the way it does, but it certainly won't turn out well for whatever you want to happen if you don't make your voice heard in that participatory process. So, man, you know, I, I could get into stuff, but there you should know and all of us should know that there are infinite possibilities. And it's a, it's very much like an octopus. There are infinite universities of people participating and advocating um, and, and, and arguing. Right. And and and, and horse trading, frankly. Uh, for every single piece of policy that comes out on state, local, as well as federal level. So it's very intricate, man. Great question, DT. And the next question here from the audience, uh, Don, with today being election day, what message would you give young HBCU students coming up about the importance of their voting? Just vote. I mean, the first thing is vote, right? And that seems like a very, very low bar, but, um, you can't overemphasize that you have a duty to participate and you know you have a duty to not skip any level of election uh in any given year so you know i that question is it, it's a good question but it's almost like state the obvious you have to vote and then frankly you have to take it upon yourself to have some obligation to learn what people stand for beyond what the mainstream media is telling you right? you have to have some obligation to do some level of research. I know it sounds cliche to say, do your own research, but 
democratic participation in this experiment, this American experiment, but particularly the black American experiment, or when you're representing or want the best for marginalized, historically marginalized communities, if you want the best for them, you have an obligation to do something beyond voting, which is, first of all, thinking, thinking about right the, the type of world we want to live in, the type of political outcomes we want to see. You have an obligation to tell other people to vote. You have an obligation to do research about what outcomes look with different, not only elected representatives, but with different philosophies and policies around the idea of governance. So, you know, voting is like ninth grade level stuff, right? But then you get to college level stuff and PhD and graduate level work. So the obligation to create the world that you want to see stacks on top of each other. And I'm not saying you have to create a professional career in it like I have and some of my colleagues have. But at the end of the day, we have obligations and voting is the floor of our obligation if we want to see the condition of black people and black institutions improve. That's awesome. And so we'll get you out of here on this one. Now, it was brought up before about uh, land grants and uh, the universities that, yeah. you know, that that are owed. So what I want to just say here is I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen that people who are alums at Alabama A&M, they've started a petition, they've done all these different things. But yeah. I want to hear from from Don Calloway's perspective. And this is <laughs> yeah. an opportunity for a really, really cool soundbite. Um, what exactly would you say yeah. should be the steps in 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 an attempt to try to collect on such a uh, let's just say just to collect on that five hundred plus million dollars? Yeah, five hundred twenty-seven million dollars. Um, I can tell you the exact sense if I opened it up in my phone. I keep it as my my phone background. Uh, Alabama a and was underfunded by the state of Alabama to the tune of $527 million from 1987 to 2020. And it is my opinion that the university community, including the administration, has an obligation to pursue that opportunity. Now, let's be very clear about this. Um, and I've, I've been in touch with multiple 1890 land grants, and some of them have filed the lawsuits, but the reticence, the reluctance, is based in two very real fears. Number one, you have to remember that every HBCU president is like myself, ultimately a politician, right? And we're in the deep South. So you were appointed by Republican governors, right? You are a likely an African-American appointed by a Republican governor at the approval of a Republican legislature. So there is some fear of retribution as a politician that you lose your job if you stand behind pushing for uh, uh, reclaiming the money that was stolen. Let's be clear, this money was stolen. It wasn't misappropriated. It wasn't mistaken. They stole our money, right? Mm -hmm. Flat out. So that's one hurdle. The second hurdle is the fear of retaliation in future appropriations. Right? So mm -hmm. if I sue the state mm -hmm. or if my university community sues the state, will the same racist Republican or even Dixiecrat Democrat legislature who stole the money, will they punish us by harming our appropriations into the future? Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but there are legal machinations that a good lawyer would take to make sure that that doesn't happen, right? Or at least petition the court to keep the state from doing that. 
all that to say, it is my opinion that every 1890 land grant university community has an obligation to file the lawsuit, not negotiate with the legislature, not cut a deal with some politician for some special appropriation of $5 million for the next 10 years. No, 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 no. The proper redress for the actual theft is to file the lawsuits in federal court uh, on behalf of students and alumni. And look, I have been talking to stakeholders in the Normalite community about how we get that done properly. And listen, um, I'd be happy to to file the lawsuit on behalf of the Alabama A&M community. Um, you know, I don't want to break news, but we're working on it. We're, we are actively in discussions to hopefully get that done. Um, and I've seen the change.org petition. The university community, people with platforms like you all, are doing your job. God bless you all. You got to talk about this stuff because they stole, they stole, they stole. And it was intentional and it was pernicious and it was despicable, right? Um, they stole in a couple of different ways. At times, they simply took the money and diverted it to Tuscaloosa or to UAH or to UNA. At other times, they improperly conditioned it like, hey, here's $10 million. We'll give it to you if you can create a department of optometry. Well, that's not what the Fed said it was for. There were no conditions or strings or whatever. And so you set conditions. And this is not just Alabama. This is across the 19 states that were given land grant money. And frankly, federal policies to change to give the money directly to the schools as opposed to the racist paternalism of giving it to state legislatures who can then appropriate. That's not appropriate now because we've seen that that's not how it happens, right, mm -hmm. in practice. So, uh, I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day because I've been knee deep in it, not only with Alabama A&M, but with a few different um, <clears throat> schools, as well as national convening platforms like the Thurgood Marshall Center at Howard University. But the reality of the matter is the proper redress is the lawsuit. And we, as not only HBCU stakeholders or Alabama A&M alum or, you know, you know, Lincoln University of Missouri alum, not only that, but people who want to see right done for historical intentional wrongs, people who want to see those wrongs redressed, the proper thing to do is to find the courage like Charles Hamilton Houston, to find the courage like Thurgood Marshall, to find the courage like the recently departed uh, Professor Charles Ogletree, to find the lawsuit, to file the lawsuits, to tell our people like you all are using your platform to do. I, and I, frankly, I wanted to talk about, you know, Terrence Van Leer and basketball coming up, but this is important, right? It's mm -hmm. important for us to use our platforms to tell our people so you protect President Wims, so you protect mm -hmm. our appropriations. Because if we know, then it's going to be a very difficult for them to punish us for seeking redress for what was done that was actual theft. And you have yeah. to remember, man, that, you know, hey, Governor Kay Ivey uh, or, or whoever your budget chair is, we ain't blaming you because. There were Democrats in charge for a whole lot of the theft, right? Um, we're not blaming any individual politician, but part of what we have to do as people who want to know better, or people who want better for our institutions and people who have positions and platforms and law licenses to do better, we have to stare the actual injustice in the face and tell the truth about what was done without blame or without shaming anybody or without accusing anybody. We have to talk about what was actually done if you're going to seek actual proper redress for it so uh, you know i I'm, I'm in touch with the people we're supposed to be in touch with and hopefully uh we can come back in the next next month
and uh, and give an update on what's going on there. Well, that is uh, that is awesome, and <laughs> I am completely enlightened by by the entire process because absolutely uh, some of us we were talking the other day say you know they filing petitions and all this different stuff, and I said you know petitions that's all well and good, but petitions is just a sheet of paper, and you know yeah. from the things that you mentioned. Having this actual action is something that is tangible and it's something that you put in motion and something yeah. that we can truly get behind and believe uh, fully. So thank you for just the, the answer. Just thank you for everything that you brought to our show tonight. Um, you know, you being an AM alum, you know, we know that that you continue to represent us great all the time and we appreciate you. And, you know, we speak for all of Bulldog Nation. When I say that, that we appreciate all of your contributions and everything that you do to represent us. Well, thank you. Listen, uh, everything I have, I've I've done okay. Uh, I'm blessed that my my sons and my daughter are are set up and everything I have is attributable to Alabama A&M University. My mama went there. Uh, She was given a legit start that gave us everything we have. And frankly, you know, I started at a different place. And I don't feel about that place the way I feel about AM, right? So everything I've ever had, and I've had a I've had a wonderful run. If it stops today, I've had a remarkable run. And that's because I went to Alabama AM. And that's because there were people who thought I could be something. And there were people who thought I had something to say. And there were people who thought that I was worth investing in, right? To make the world a better place. And so, you know, that all comes back to the hill. So I am uh, forever indebted. And look, man, I appreciate you all for, for for being willing to share your platform, to create a platform, to share that platform, um, and, and, and frankly, just to push our school forward because it's not going to come out of Montgomery. It's not going to come out of Washington, D.C., uh, and, and, you know, it has to come from us, and, and you all are doing that, and you have an extraordinarily important role. So however I can help, I'm always for it. And, uh, and, and, and look, Alabama A&M might be the great love of my life. I have not done well at being married a few times now. So <laughs> I, I'm starting to think that, that, the, <laughs> that the red clay is, is my life partner. So uh, <laughs> I will always be here for, uh, for A&M Nation. Hey, and I know you mentioned that you didn't need any more A&M stuff. And you said <laughs> if we could do anything for you, I'm going to see yeah. your From the Hill shirt. And I need yes. to see that. I'm going to send that, that to you. So I'll, I me- I'll message you, and then I'll, I'll get the information to send. I need to see that. Yes. Good, yes. Thank you. Thank you. When you go on CNN or MSNBC and you got that on, they're like, what is that that you're wearing? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Yo, I, I, I will <laughs> do your podcast. I will do it. But I will say, even on the – I mean, look, we can, we can go all night. But I'll say, even on the HBCU gear tip, there are uh, – you know, you can – I love seeing, like, Nike stuff. They finally recognize us and all of that. But there are black designers that are just super dope doing it. So I need that for the Hill T-shirt. Uh, I love Corinne DeMarco, C-O-R-I-N DeMarco. Yes. I love Varsity Supplier. Dude went to state, oh, but yeah. he makes some fly, fly, fly stuff. And his stuff is mostly A&M or state. But uh, I always try to look for the black designers who are doing it for the culture and uh, and support them as well. So, man, really much love to you all. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank appreciate you so very here. much, Don. And uh, we look forward to talking to you talking to you coming up the road because like I said, there's much work to do in these fields, brother. So thank yes, you. Indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. All right fam. Much love, man. All right. That's Don Calloway, everybody. What a great segment that was. Yes, sir. Yeah. Great segment. Yeah. That was beautiful. 
Oh yes, my God! Was. Was able to to go into uh, detail of if if we were to pursue that five hundred twenty-seven million, why he said we're obligated <laughs> to pursue that five hundred twenty-seven million. What that process looks like? So I think that's the piece that a lot of us miss. You know, they say, "Oh, they owe us this much money. We need to go get it." Yeah, but what, what does that look like? How long was that? That's going to be a long process. <laughs> yes, know, sir. So he was able to, you know, go over that and, and break that down for us. Yes, sir. So uh, I'm going to just do this myself tonight. Uh, shout out to readers uh, because this is getting ready to be the next uh, the next part of our show, which is our final segment of the show. Um, and our segment of the show here tonight, um, we're going to say this. All right. Y'all want to try this one more time? Sure. I'll try to point it. I'll point it wrong way. Okay. One, two, three. Shout out to yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get it. One time. Hey, one time. We're record a sound and we just going to play it. There it is. <laughs> that might be the best thing. Yeah, man. So as everybody knows, you know, it's that time. It's that time. It's swag pick time, everybody. So you know what we do every week when we get ready to do this. We're we're winding down, man. The season is coming gone so quickly. Um, but you know, we're winding down, and as you know, what we always do at this time, we're gonna pick all the swag games. Uh, everybody, make sure you put your picks in the comment section, and uh we will go with that. And uh yeah, let's get this thing rolling, y'all. Uh, I'm still the leader. I'm probably going to finish the leader. But, you know, y'all don't want to see it, but I showed it. Let's move on. Okay. Everybody knows about this game. I mean, Lincoln has been, Lincoln, California, man. <laughs> y'all been, our schedule next year. Hey, yeah, exactly. Lincoln been making a tool collecting next year. Man, collecting money to get beat down after beat down after beat down. Like, I don't even know if it's any more tread on that tire. Bishop Sycamore, California. Bishop, Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> we better not it. put them on our schedule. That's hey, it. Right. Hey, I, hey, I hear you, Emma Moore. Fam, you next. <laughs> yeah. All right, fam, you. Yeah. Okay, now. Grambling. Who the boy? Man, now I remember there was a bunch of people that gate tried to give me grief when I said that Gramlin was gonna finish five and six this year. I said, Y'all ain't as good as you think you are. Now look at it with two games to go. If they win this game and then lose the Bayou Classic, like I believe they will, there's the five and six. And I have the receipts to give to all you Graham fam folk to try to give me grief. So, uh, Mr. Geist, Stan Hardy, you're one that I think of every day because you said I didn't know what I was talking about. You cannot battle with someone that lives this stuff day after day like I do. Anyway. Talk your jump, Wayne. Yeah, I'm going to talk it. Hey, Pine Bluff, man, y'all been playing so hard. But, man, y'all at this point, man, y'all should just take that one win and go on to the house. Are we all in agreement that this is Grambling, or does anybody see an upset here? No. Um, nah. Grambling Grambling, what, is, Grambling has lost two in a row now, or is it three? Uh, they, they, after they lost to us, they won. They, right? they won. And then last week, uh, they lost to Alabama State. They lost to Alabama State. Oh, yeah, they yeah. won this game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, now we go from one team at the bottom to another at the bottom. 
<laughs> All right, Valley, Valley, Valley. At this point, y'all, y'all might want to take that one dub and go and go to the house. Now, Alabama State, y'all, we know they offense ain't been that great. Right. The defense though, was lights out. They only gave up six points last week. So, does anybody see uh, Valley making this a little bit of a game, or do we just see this being Alabama State all day, all night? It's going to be the bubble show in Intervena. Yeah. 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 I believe yeah, I doubt, that. I doubt if they even need bubble. Who did Valley beat this year? Valley beat Pine Bluff on their homecoming. They beat Pine Bluff. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll take Bama State here. Yeah, I got Bama State, and uh, I don't think that it's going to be like a massive beatdown. I see this being like 31 to 6 or something like that. But yeah, shout out to Valley. Y'all try hard, but you know, moving on. Okay, now let's get into this. Okay, Southern and Prairie View. The loser is eliminated from SWAC West contention. Yes. For Prairie View, their chances of getting into the uh, SWAC championship game are a little bit better than Southern's right now. Prairie View, because they own that tiebreaker over first place Alcorn State, can win out and see Alcorn lose one time and, and Prairie View will be making that trip to Tallahassee. Not sure if they want to do it again because we saw how it was two weeks ago, but that's what it, it sits at. For Southern, they need to win out, and Alcorn needs to lose both of its remaining games. All right? Doesn't seem like it's likely for Southern, but, you know, stranger things have occurred. With all that being said, Corey Williams, who do you have? Um, where are uh, the in Baton Rouge? Yep. It is. Hey. I just think um, this game come down to uh, Southern's defense. Prairie really hasn't showed me anything this year. Um, so I, Southern going to win the game. All right, Nate. I'm gonna go with SU. All right, DT. Southern. Jay. Yeah, I think Southern pulls it out. T. Gooden. Prairie with the upset and Gucci Mane will be gone after Saturday. And you want to know something? I'm going to double down with you, T. Gooden, because Southern's offense, hey, hate to use names, but Hero Blood, we know who you are now, brother. You ain't it. Sorry, man. (laughs) And uh, Prairie View, they can run that ball, and that's the weakness of Southern's defense. Give me Prairie View in a close upset, and that puts the pin in the final nail in the coffin of Mr. Eric Dooley. Right. Now, this game actually is being played on Sunday, all right? Being played on Sunday because uh, there's a home soccer game there uh, in the park. Shout out to Texas Southern. We'll speak prophetically that you'll get your stadium upgrades so you can play in your own stadium. But as you know, they share the, the soccer stadium with the Houston Dynamo, all right? So now, Alcorn coming off a huge win. Very impressive over Southern. They have taken Man, the, the lead in that West. Texas Southern, my God, I picked y'all last week. Y'all came up short on me just again, losing 21-19 at Jackson State. This is a tricky game here still. Even though Texas Southern is 2-7 and seven and out of it, these boys are close every single week. T. Gooden, what you got? 
I'm going with uh, the big bad Braves winning on the road. All right, Jay. Uh, Alcorn State is uh, in championship mindset mode, and if anybody that's not new to the swag knows how that is for them, they're gonna be focused. They see Tallahassee in the future, so I'm going with Alcorn State. DT. I'm going with Alcorn just off the strength of Texas Southern moving the football game this Sunday. You can tell Houston's not in the Bible Belt. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is a fact. Right. Dave? Actually, I saw Alcorn handle, handle uh, Southern. I, I got to go to Big Bad Bury. Yeah. CK? Hey, good team. Um, gets better over the season, and Alcorn is definitely showing that they're going to be representing in that swag championship um, against Florida and them, so Alcorn all day. Yeah, I like Alcorn in this one, too, and I actually like them pretty convincingly. Uh, like I said, Texas Southern, they have battled so hard, but I think they've come to the end of their rope now. I think that they don't really have too many more bullets to fire. So uh, Alcorn's got that look, y'all. <laughs> and I ain't just saying just winning the West either. They got that look like they might be the team to get down there and, and give FAMU what they've been looking for. But we will see. All right. Now that brings us to our game. And as we always do, we kill the track. And, you know, this game right here, uh, as I said before, it's uh, noon Eastern or noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, HBCU Go is the network where you can find this. Now, one thing about HBCU Go, when you are able to get it on, you have no issues with the cameras. You have no issues with the commentators. <laughs> so you will have a very nice uh very nice broadcast. All right. Now, AM coming off of two straight losses. All right. Corey, what does AM need to do in this game? Key is to jump on Bethune Cookman early um and um just control the game and you know and just stop with the discipline issues and uh and um special teams mishaps that has really been our shoulda coulda woulda season if those special teams mishaps wouldn't have happened. Um, because, you know, shots outside defensive line, you know, because the score definitely doesn't indicate the work that they're doing because we have one of the best defensive lines in the conference. And Coach Pearl, Coach Pearl has done a great job with our defensive line, and really they've shut down the run. But because of our special teams miscues, has really the score doesn't indicate how our defensive line has played. So, um but we just got to go in Daytona, jump on them early. Because if you let them hang in the game, it can it can it can get go south. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, one thing about Bethune Cookman, their records two and seven. They battled. They play hard. They play hard. And I would expect nothing less uh, in this week. Um, you know, for us, I think what 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 is important for me to see is what. What is our mindset, man? I mean, are are the guys ready to come out here and fight and 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 look to win these last two games and finish the season with a winning record? Because you know, obviously, you know, SWAC SWAC championship games out the window. You know, the games that you wanted to win. You know, it, it may not be the season that you've looked for. But 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 where where is the fight, man? Where's the drive? Are you still going to see it when they hit that field on Saturday? I mean, because if they have the fight and the drive, they should win this game comfortably. But 
if they come out there with anything that's uh, questionable, they can make this game uh, a lot closer than what they really should make it. So uh, let's just get out here. Let's take care of business, man. Let's beat these boys. Get back on that plane. Get back to Huntsville and get ready for that that last Thursday nighter against Valley. <laughs> yep, but the, I promise yep. you, but Bethune Cookman, they have this game circled. Like I know we we can beat these guys. I mean, there's no secret. We've had mistakes the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, mistakes on punt, uh, punt block, faking punts. You know, we've had we've had those mistakes. We've had those mistakes. Plays, like, uh, yeah. So, but Bethune Cookman said, "Hey, we can beat these guys. These guys." They lost the last two. Uh, they got this game circled, so they're gonna come out uh fully motivated. But uh I think we are the better uh team talent wise, but we have to show it on the field. Yeah, and, and yes, we are flying, for, uh, we are flying down there to Daytona. So we don't, we, yeah, we, we don't, we don't take the bus that far. Come on, man. We all think we are. Yeah, we we, <laughs> right. we, we, we done with that, man. With them days <laughs> over, y'all. Yeah. Those, those days are uh, over. <laughs> That bougie HBCU. <laughs> right. And look, and, and Dr. Bryant just confirmed it. Yes, we are yeah, flying. Yeah, flying. Those, days are, those days are over. Yeah, Sometimes so, uh, we fly to Birmingham to the classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah, big shout out tonight to everybody that we've had on our show. Uh, you know, we had on uh Brian Howard, you know, really, really wonderful energy, some great things. Um, so we look forward to having him back on here coming up. Shout out to Don Calloway, man. Yeah, political strategist. Uh, he's doing venture capital, he's doing a whole lot of things out there, man. And one thing that we got to make sure we do is you know, I know you guys will do that anyway, is with these, these sound bites and these clips, you know. But he said a lot of really, really good things that people will love to hear. So, um, so next week we will have a show. Uh, still kind of working on that, but we will have a show. So everybody just pay close attention to what we have for you next week. And uh, we, yeah, we will have, I can't say this, we will have uh, Cameron Dangerfield cooking with Cam on the show next week. He's going to come on and uh, give us some uh, Thanksgiving tips. Just kind of show us what he's doing. So we will have him on amongst other people next week. So we will have cooking with Cam on with us. That's right. And I can tell you, I can speak. I've had his macaroni and cheese. Man, y'all bring it, bring your pens and pencils next week. Yeah, so ahead of uh Thanksgiving, you might learn a few things about macaroni and cheese because you know everybody can't cook macaroni and cheese. Wait, did I have these people cooking macaroni and cheese for the first time during Thanksgiving? Hey, they no. better not, then they, they not gonna blame us because they did it either. You, you were the one made that choice to do it, players, <laughs> right. <laughs> But uh, basketball, so basketball is playing uh, on the road Thursday night, men uh, at, at in Florence playing North Alabama, uh, 7.30, and it will be 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern, it'll be on ESPN Plus. Women are at Colorado State. If there is a link to that, we'll make sure that gets provided. Football is playing this week, Saturday on HBCU Go. Uh, volleyball, they finished their regular season. Uh, moving into the SWAC tournament, they host uh, Jackson State on Friday, and they yep. finish out on Senior Day against Mississippi Valley State on Sunday. All right, so uh, good things happening. Uh, shout out to everybody as we had them. Appreciate y'all for joining us every every you know every week as you do, 
and uh, make sure you hit that like button, hit that share button, make sure that you subscribe, all right? So, DT Green, Just Dave, CK Williams, Jay the Great, and my man T. Gooden, I am your guy, Wild Wayne Cartwright. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and good night. We'll see you next week.